Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So I came across this quote. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God has not been like Jesus. We haven't always known this, but now we do. Hebrews 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, Jesus, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. There's really good news. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. The gospel, the good news in one word, is Jesus. The gospel in one word is Jesus because God looks like Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. If you want to know how God views the powerful and the religious and the arrogant, you look at Jesus. If you want to know how He views the poor the least and the last and the lost and the left out and the left behind, you look at Jesus. If you want to know how Jesus, God views you and views your sin, you look at Jesus. So the gospel, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, in one word is simply Jesus. It's the life of Jesus. And He comes to proclaim the message of good news, but he's also the message of good news. He's the messenger and the message. So don't go anywhere else to find out who God is like except to Jesus. Jesus is the fullest revelation of God, and Jesus is the good news, God's good news to the world. Now this week, we're going to look at the gospel in three words, which I advanced the slide too soon, so I gave it away. We're going to look at the gospel in three words. And next week and then the following weeks, we're going to look at the gospel, the good news, in 30 words. But it all fits within this one word, this one life, this one teaching, this one life lived, Jesus, who lived, died, rose from the dead, and continues to live and intercede and be victorious for us. And we're just diving into the multidimensional beauty of this good news that is found in Jesus. And so... The gospel in three words is Jesus is Lord. Now I'm gonna I'm doing things off this phone and I'm gonna figure this out. Nothing was working today, so be patient because I'm I got like five phones here. Um all right, here we go. So this is my prayer as we go through this series, all right? Because as I was praying about it and as we began our life as a community and as others join us um, and as we communicate to others, I want us to be grounded in the good news. I want us to be a community of good news. And to be a community of good news, we need to understand the good news. We need to know what the good news is. And we've actually, I think, kind of misunderstood it or made it really narrow. And the good news is so much uh, about how we live and what we proclaim, and the words that we speak. And so my prayer and my heart 
And my desire, my hope for us as we go into this, as we look at the gospel in three words, the gospel in 30 words in the coming weeks, is this. Two responses I'm hoping and praying for from you all and from me. Number one, that we would believe. That we would believe and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That we would give Him our life. That we would buy into His way and His will for us. That we would come into a deeper and deeper understanding of this mystery and this mystery that the power of God is revealed and manifested through Jesus Christ. And that it means everything. So I hope that we would believe and grab onto that, embrace that, and live into it and lean into it. The second thing I hope is that we would share it, that we would share this good news and that we would have a common vocabulary, a common um, vernacular to communicate this good news, this gospel to a, a world who is in desperate need of it, right? To our neighbors who need to know, to our mothers and our fathers and our brothers and our sisters and our aunts and our uncles and our children and our neighbors and our co-workers that need to know the good news that is found in Jesus. So I'm hoping that not only do we believe this gospel, this good news, but that we would share it, that we would communicate it, and that we would have a common language to do that. So that's what I'm hoping for over the next few weeks. So the gospel in three words is this. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. In the Greek, it's two words. So we're getting wordy in our English. Jesus is Lord. It's one of the earliest creeds that the early Jesus followers used to sum up and to to kind of distill the core of what they believed and what they were staking their life on. This is where they were going to put a stake in the ground and say, this is, on, this is what we stand on. This is what informs our life. This is what informs everything that we do, is Jesus is Lord. So Romans 10. Paul, we, wrote, we read the whole passage earlier. But Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. There's that early creed. Jesus is Lord. That is what we are called to believe and stake our life on. Another place, 2 Corinthians 4, he says, We came to you preaching not ourselves, we're not promoting ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. That was our message. Is Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So the message in the early creed of the early church of the followers of Jesus was simply, Jesus is Lord. That's what we had to know. That's what we have to believe. That's what we have to trust. And that's what we have to live in light of. So what does Lord mean? It can mean, if Jesus is Lord, let's figure out what Lord means. Three primary meanings in in Scripture, in the Gospels, here, all used in reference to Jesus. First, it can mean simply sir. It's a term of respect, right? We're watching a series called Poldark on Amazon Prime. little plug there. It's a pretty good series. And, you know, it's set in um, 17th century or 18th century England, Britain. And they're always like, good day, sir, you know? 
can I get you something, sir, or mom, or whatever? And so it's a term of respect. It's a term of reverence. It's, it's a term that you say, that we teach our kids, you know, to say sir or ma'am or mister or missus to, to their elders, to those who are older than them. So it's a term of respect. But it's also a term that you would use to refer to a leader or to a mentor, to one who has authority in your life. This would be a term that a servant would use to refer to their master. Lord. You know, this would be a term used of kind of, of a, a subject to a king. My Lord. And you can see kind of a bow of the head or a bow of the knee. This is someone, a term that you use to refer to someone, to address someone who has power in your life, who has influence in your life, who has authority in your life. And then the third sense that this is used is sometimes it is a substitute for the word the Hebrews used for God. Kyrios, the word that we get, the, the Greek word for Lord, is a substitute in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. All right? And they would use Kyrios to refer to the word that the Israelites would use. They would not speak the name of God. They, they had so much reverence, they would not speak it, and they barely would write it. They would write the, only the consonants, an unpronounceable name for God, which was Yahweh. We add vowels. And so the word would be used in Greek to refer to God. And Jesus then, his early followers, began to refer to Jesus in this sense. Very early on, Jesus is Kyrios. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Master. Jesus is even Yahweh. God. He has the power and authority of Yahweh. We're going to look at that in just a little bit more depth in a minute. So, Jesus is Lord is the good news. In three words. Now, why is this good news? My friend, um, who I've gotten to know over the last year, he just left his girlfriend and his son of two years old. He left He's somewhere on the West Coast. This is bad enough, right? But this is the second time he's done it. Because three years ago, he left his first girlfriend and first child somewhere in uh, another place of the country. And this is a person that was, has been freed from addiction, has been freed from drug abuse, and has now turned back to it. He was living a stable life. He was putting down roots and he has decided to leave and to go back to what he had been doing. Now this problem uh, is a problem with him. If it's a problem for his son, it's for both of his sons, it's a problem for both of the women that he left to care for a child as a single mom. It's, but it's also, it's, it's a result of not only his decisions, but the decisions that were thrust upon him. Because, my friend, he, the same was done to him. His mother left him at a very young age. And then his dad kicked him out of the house when he was about 13 years old. And he lived on the street for 10 years, from 13 to 23 years old. Um, and so, you hear a story like this and you wonder, what 
Is there any hope? Right? We're, we're, we look, and I got to know this guy, and we became friends, and, and, and it seemed like he was moving up and, and, and understanding and getting, getting it and getting his responsibility. And, he, and I know he loves his, his son. He loves, he loves both of his sons. But you look at it, and what the world says in this situation and what the world wants us to believe is that this is just the cycle of poverty. This is just the cycle of abuse. This is just the cycle of violence perpetuating itself, repeating itself. And people cannot escape the cycle of poverty and of violence and of neglect and of abuse. And we're just trapped in it. And the world goes on and on like this. And it just goes on and on. And, and the whole world is like this. And so we are overwhelmed by the magnitude of the problems that we face. And, and his life is just a microcosm of so many lies, multiplied on life, multiplied on life, which equals society, which equals systems that are just hurting and killing people. And so why is Jesus is Lord? Why is that the gospel? Because here's why. We don't need just a savior. We need a leader. We don't need just a savior. We need a guide. We don't need just a savior. We need a king with power and authority to break the bondage of sin and death and to break the bondage and the cycle of poverty and injustice and abuse and violence and retribution. We don't need just a savior. We need a Lord, a king who has the power and authority to reverse the curse of sin and death, who has the power and authority to make all wrong things right that we experience in our life. That's what we need, and that's why this is good news. We don't just need a savior. We need a king. We need a Lord. So I want to look quickly at Philippians 2, 5 through 11. All right, and it's on the screen, and if you have your Bibles, you can read it along with me. There's one Bible in the back. We're going to get more, but I would encourage you to start bringing your, your copy of God's Word, whether that's on your phone or good old text here, but I'll read it from the screen here. Philippians 2 is a powerful passage. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't, he didn't cling to it. He didn't consider it his right. He, he let go, he, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This first part, verses 5 through 8, talk of Jesus' humiliation from an exalted state. We remember last week we talked about Jesus was the Word. He was in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made by Him and through Him and for Him. Nothing was made apart from Him that has been made. And so He has equality with God, but He doesn't cling to it. He didn't consider it something to be held on to. He let it 
go. He emptied himself of this power and of this, of this position as God. And he took on the form of a servant. Took on flesh, as it says in John 1.14. And that word flesh in the Greek is called sarks. And he could have used three or four different other words. He could have used the word for just purely body or could have used the word for humanity. But he uses this word sarks, which is translated flesh. And it is associated with human weakness. It's associated with human frailty. It's even the word that's most often used to describe human sin and our sin nature. And so Jesus, the scandal here is that Jesus takes on flesh. This God, through whom all things were made, takes on our weakness takes on our frailty, and even scandalously takes on that very, that very flesh that is associated with our sinfulness and our need for salvation. So that's his humiliation. But look, because of this, therefore, it says in verse 9, and this is incredible, um, this is an incredible statement. Therefore, because Jesus did this, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's our creed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus took on flesh. He dwelt among us. He died for us. He rose from the dead and then he is exalted. He is exalted and given the name. Look at this. It's not a name that will be exalted. It's the name. What's the name? In this context, the name is what we talked about just a moment ago. That name of Lord that name of sovereign God, the name of Yahweh, the name of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel. It's the name that he's given. That every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Look what it says. It says every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Now, I was just, Joanna and I went to a concert at the Journal Pavilion, or wherever they're calling it now, Isleta Amphitheater, on Friday night, and it was packed. And I I got online to see how many people can this place hold. 15,000, I guess, is its capacity. And it was pretty much to capacity, it seemed like. And as I was there, having this, this passage in my mind, and seeing all these people not giving themselves to the glory of God, but quite the opposite, I was wondering, what would it look like for 15,000 people to just drop to their knees and praise God as the name above all names. And to, for their yells and their screams not to be about holding another bear, but about God being the king of the world and the universe. What would that look like? Just the sound, the sheer wind of 15,000 people dropping to their knees, hitting the ground. Now that's 15,000 people. That's not even very many people. It's a lot of people. But imagine other settings you've been in. Stadiums. Imagine, though, what this is saying is every 
every knee should bow and every tongue confess. Now, think about this. I want to go a little bit crazier, a little deeper here. But the name of, at the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven. In heaven. This is, refers to the powers and the principalities, the angels and the demons, the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. That every knee should bow in the heavens. So all the spiritual realm, bowing their knee to God and proclaiming Him to be worthy. In heaven and on earth, that refers to those in existence at the time of this saying, those who are alive now. So 7 billion people, is that about how many people are in the world? Help me out. That just came to my brain. 7 billion people <laughs> dropping to their knees and confessing that Jesus is Lord. Now listen, we talked about this in our, the, the Gospels, reimagining race and, and giving us diversity, right? Diversity with distinction, without disparity. Every tongue, this isn't just like, Every tongue wagging. This is refers to language. Every language spoken, spoken, proclaiming Jesus to be Lord, to be King, to be Master, to be Ruler. Seven billion people, plus the the spiritual realm, plus under the earth. What this refers to is those who have died, those who have ceased to exist and breathe. They still exist, apparently. And they're going to bow their knee to Jesus as Lord. So, 15,000 people seems like a lot. But 7 billion plus everyone who's ever lived plus all the heavenly hosts, that's pretty incredible. Jesus is Lord. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what we mean when we say Jesus is Lord. <sighs> Got to do my notes. So what? All right. So what? It's awesome, right? It's awesome. But what difference does it make right now, today? See, if Jesus is Lord, this is the best news that could ever be proclaimed. This is the best news that could ever be spoken. This is the best news that could be ever shared. Jesus is the sovereign ruler of the universe and nothing and nothing else can take this job, right? They can't be the Lord of the universe. If Jesus is Lord, he stands opposed to injustice. If Jesus is Lord, because... We're told, we've learned that Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. If Jesus is Lord, he stands opposed to injustice. He stands opposed to, to poverty. He chan- stands opposed to abuse and neglect. He stands opposed to men leaving their wives and their children alone to fend for themselves. And he is at work. He has the power and authority to change that. He, he has the power and authority to make things new. He says, I am making all things new. I work all things together for the good of those who are called by God according to his purpose. He is working. So he doesn't only stand opposed to it. He has the power and authority to do something about it. And this is really good news that Jesus is Lord. Because here's the deal. We want to make, we tend to make anything and anything and anyone else Lord of our life. Don't we tend to do that? 
we give other people and other things and other circumstances authority and power to direct our life. We make them Lord of our life. So the good news is that someone else doesn't have to be the Lord of your life. Your addiction doesn't have to be the Lord of your life. Your parents don't have to be the Lord of your life, except for when you're really young. Don't hear that. They're asleep anyways. Look at that. So here it is. What is... I want to ask you this question as we wrap it up. What is or who is the Lord, the Master, the ruler of your life right now? What do you allow to have power and authority and influence in your life? Who are you serving or what are you serving? Or what or who are you allowing to dictate the path of your life? Because, I'm going to go through a lot here, but I want you to listen because something's going to be in here for you. And something's in here for your neighbors. If Jesus is Lord, if Jesus is Lord, you are not. If Jesus is Lord, beauty is not. If Jesus is Lord, fitness and health and prosperity is not. If Jesus is Lord, your sexuality is not. If Jesus is Lord, your love life is not. If Jesus is Lord, your family is not. Your reputation is not. If Jesus is Lord, your job is not. If Jesus is Lord, Donald Trump is not. No amens. Okay. If Jesus is Lord, North Korea is not. If Jesus is Lord, Al-Qaeda is not. If Jesus is Lord, terrorists are not. If Jesus is Lord, systems of oppression and mass incarceration and racism are not. If Jesus is Lord, your illness is not. If Jesus is Lord, your addiction is not. If Jesus is Lord, your health problem is not. Your finances, good or bad, is not. If Jesus is Lord... He is at work in your life for good. And all other things can be demoted and thrown out. And you can get rid of that, surrender it, and place Jesus as the ruler and Lord of your life. Because let me tell you, that is who you want in charge of your life. If someone's going to be in charge, and someone always will be, or some circumstance, or something in your life is going to rule and dictate and have power over your life, let it be Jesus. Because He is a good, kind, compassionate, loving, all-powerful, merciful, gracious King who will direct your life into the way and path of fulfillment and righteousness and meaning and hope. Let me read you this quote from a pastor named Bruxy Cavey. He, this is kind of mid-sentence, but he basically just says, give everything to God. Put everything away because other things are ruling your life. He says, that's hard to admit. It's hard to admit that we let other things rule our life and that they're Lord of our life, even our families, even our children. But, he says, when we put everything else infinitely second and come to Jesus as our everything, this is what happens. He sends us back into the world 
as better versions of ourselves, the best gift we can give the world is to abandon it for Jesus so he can send us back into the world to love it like Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And he is a kinder, nobler, gentler, more powerful master than anything else you allow to rule your life. So give it to him. Good news, right? Good news. Jesus is Lord. And he can rule your life. So once again, who, is, who are you allowing to rule your life? And the good news is it doesn't have to. If something's ruling your life, destroying your life, putting you in bondage, the, the things that keep our neighbors in bondage, they don't have to rule their life. There is one who is more powerful and more loving and more gracious that will rule their life. So please, I just want to encourage you, encourage us as a community to give our life to Jesus as Lord. Allow him to be master. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are Lord and that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that is in heaven, that is on earth, and that is under the earth. That you are Lord. That you are the one who will make all wrong things right. That you are the one that will reverse the curse of sin and death. You are the one who is working all things together for good. You are the one that stands opposed to injustice. And you are the one who calls us on mission with you. So I pray that we would surrender our lives to you. And God, we are ready for you to give us back to love the world free of all the other things that rule our life. May we proclaim and share this good news. May we live it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to eat together. They said we have open tables and open doors. And so what this looks like, if you haven't been